conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I love that intro song. Gets my gets my head bumping. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. You're so cool today. You look like you're a startup guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I just have to be on brand like yeah, always, you know. You're still in your twenties. But they're yeah. sponsoring us or uh yeah, for sure. For sure. Sponsors. <laughs> Brand new. Just signed just okay. signed a contract. Okay. Uh, what is up? How was uh, last week? I, I I totally forgot what even happened last week. Did we do an episode? I think we did. We did an episode. Of course we did. We had the last episode we've done in a long time, actually. All right. Actually, also, yeah, really, sure. really good. Can you summarize, Will, what, what we discussed last week? Yeah. What are the top three points, Will? 
So many good things. So many good things. Uh, <laughs> Book Direct Show was popping in London. Nope, that was uh, two weeks ago. Nice uh, job. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah, it's been a long week. Um, so anyways, I guess we have a fun episode today. Uh, good friend of the podcast is going to be joining us, Ella from Autohost. Uh, we got a cool What's With The Noise. We got great startup of the week uh, with Bidruption, which well was Bidruption. It's no longer. We took that away. So um, anything new and exciting for you guys? Yeah. I'd first like to say, Will, let's get a cup of coffee because you're definitely off your game this morning. But <laughs> aside from that, Ross, anything? No, just let's start. That's a quick PF also at Onboard. So uh, let's do it. All right. Perfect. Let's do uh, What's With The Noise. Here we go. So 2021 has largely been the announcement of travel companies going public, but aside from Airbnb, uh, the next one in the short term space to go actually public was home to go last week. So congrats to uh, all of the home to go people, um, some of whom I've known for five or six years uh, back when they were a meta site. Now they're becoming more of an OTA. And some of them I've known from other roles within the industry that have recently joined uh, to be a part of the exciting growth. So congrats, everybody at home to go. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing what you guys do with this and, and how far you can take it. This intro is so cool. Yeah, again, as, as Will said, we changed this Bidruption report into start of the week. So we make it really startup-wise. And we have a special one this week. It's called Recreation Rentals. For the people who are just watching, they saw probably on the cap of Mr. Will Slickers, as he's one of the founders of this amazing new company. He started together with Adam, Adam Knight. So both two famous podcast guys starting a management company. So uh, guys, good luck. Uh, it will be nice to have you once in the episode as well to know more about it, but the uh, Great to have them as startup of the week. Uh, follow them. You can watch their website. Look at their website at recreationstays.com. More news as well this week. Um, Ukio. Uh, I never heard of them before. They actually raised $9 million investments. Actually, so uh, guys, good luck. They're actually uh, focusing on boutique uh, apartments. Uh, long stay, at least one month stay. So uh, nice run. I didn't hear them before. For sure, I would check them out. Uh, my good friend Ulrich Kastner, actually, he sold my hotel shop actually to Rate Gain. So, a nice acquisition. So, good. Uh, well done, Ulrich. Just want to mention this one. And we go still, even though it was before a topic of uh, Bidruption Reports events. But this one is a special one because on the 30th of September, we have the Revenue Summit, which is actually organized by IMU Hotel, slash, of course, sponsored as well by Bidroom. So check them out. You can still register for free. So 30 of September, uh, 30 of September I meet hotel. Anything else? Um, yeah, I also want to start actually with some terms, startup terms. This one is the LTV. Well, as we have Will already in the episode as well, one of the founders of the start of the week. Will, can you explain what an LTV is? Not a clue. Not, not at all. No. <laughs> no? Come on. This, no. Is the most important, this is the most important one. Okay, Michael for sure knows. The lifetime value of your customer will. There we go. 
There we go. It's a little early, but Will yeah, is off his game. <laughs> Michael, we're gonna have to, to leave this episode. So yeah. the nine million dollar seed round is insane. They must be buying real estate. Looks like it's kind of just there's no other way really to topical. raise nine million dollars in a seed round without hard assets behind it. Right? Yeah, no, I have to, I have money, to I just is money flowing that freely right now. I don't I don't think so easily. I don't think so easily. No. So for sure it must be need buying assets, buying real estate or something. But for sure look into them. Maybe they will be started with the week coming weeks. Um, but yeah, it's not easy to become sort of the week. The criteria is really, really high. So yeah. have a look at them to see yeah. if they can make it in this category. It's like a hundred percent month over month growth, I believe, for recreation rentals. So this is one yeah. of the conditions we need, otherwise not even mentioned in here. So well, your sure. CAC to LTV is uh is probably pretty high right now um yeah. except ltv is kind of an unknown quantity because you're relatively new so you yeah. just have to very new it. we're very uh ota dependent at the time so we're very uh very strong in that but we're building up our database of repeat direct booking customers so all good stuff okay so make sure there's no churn will exactly exactly <laughs> uh well so somebody who's actually going to know more about startup stuff uh, in terms and all that good stuff will be Ella. So I'm going to welcome her to the show because she's a great friend. She's the reason why we're here this Monday morning, and she's probably going to wake me up from my uh, weird funk that I've been in this Monday morning. So here we go. We're going to welcome Ella. <laughs> hello, morning, hello. Hi. What an intro. Happy yeah, morning. sorry, sorry, I didn't uh, get better at my intros uh, recently, but <laughs> I am excited to have you on because not only are you on Good Morning Hospitality today, but this week you're also on Slick Talk, which is That's very true. exciting. We got to do a deep dive on what's happened this last year with you and AutoHost, and you know the overall safety of travel, and yeah, it's just really exciting times to have you on. So yeah, again, thanks for joining us on Monday. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is exciting. Did you get to have your coffee? I'm, like, I'm oh. working on it. I'm like, right. so working. and it's just the first one. So, Perfect. yeah. Can you share some well. of that with Will? <laughs> 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 Through the screen. Uh, well, awesome. How about for those who don't know about AutoHost and your story, can you just give us a quick recap? What you what you do, how you got started, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, all of you guys have these mugs. Okay, we're going to talk well, later. Okay, I'll get you on. <laughs> um, yes, I can. In a nutshell, I mean, I, I originally come from the hospitality space. So like many tech startups, you need to kind of know what the problem is before you start solving it. So I was in short-term rental management. We had a really successful um, short-term rental company here in, uh, in Toronto. And so slowly as scale came up, problems also did. And um, AutoHost is a guest screening uh, platform. So we kind of handle the automation side of things within the trust and safety. So we have any hospitality operator have their guests go through a screening process, um, agreeing to rules, providing ID, doing all the data point matching, um, security deposits, rules, guest list, and so on. And then a lot of the magic really happens on the background as we really come from the cybersecurity space. And so we really care to see whether, how do we help larger companies as they scale, really identify which guests can just go through the automation and the process flow and be verified to continue. And then 
which small percentage really requires your attention. So we kind of take out the black box that is the guest. For sure. And you and I got to jump into it uh, a little bit on Slick Talk, but you know, coming from the hotel world, I'm kind of curious, Michael uh, Ross, from your perspective, when you hear about all this stuff, what do you think, um, you know, because you work with a lot of hoteliers, a lot of different systems around the world. So when, when it comes to guest screening, uh, do you think maybe hotels are a little bit lacking in this area? Or do you think this is something that um, hotels are doing better at recently with the last over, you know, last 18 months or so? For sure, they're lacking. And one of the things I was planning even in the really in the beginning, but not everybody was so happy as a deer, just actually just let hotels uh, write reviews about guests. Actually turned around, right? It's really interesting to know what kind of guests do you actually want to have in your hotel. And can you also change maybe your prices connected to the behavior of the guests, right? If somebody's taking, taking care of the room and don't destroy half it, or just in that case, maybe there's different ways. Okay, how can you incentivize them uh, if they're not using, for example, other towels, whatever, focusing on an echo. So it's pretty interesting to know your customer better. I think hotels not doing this so well, in my opinion. It just, even though you're checking off and then even though that you're just stayed there five times before. So I think it's something what the hotels has to do much, much better. Do you think it's naive or intentional? I think it's even both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah. question. Well, I've just, from my perspective of being an operator and like starting in the industry in hotels, vacation rentals or even short-term rentals, depending on whatever you want to call them, um, is the only one that's really actually taken guest screening to the next level from what I've seen. Um, you know, when I was a front desk manager, it was overall just like, all right, what OTA did they book on? Did their credit card decline? Is it a one night stay? Is it a last minute booking? Are they a local? Like all these little red flags. Um, you know, the, that was our screening. That was it. And then when they showed up at the desk, how did, how did you feel about your interaction with them? Do they um, look sketchy? Yeah. Did they look sketchy? Were they acting weird? Did, you know, whatever it may be. There's a, yeah. a lot of little things. Um, so Ella, I guess for you, can you, jump into maybe some things i'm kind of curious if you saw just as you guys started auto host and started you know developing more and more into the product and what your services are did were there things that popped up that you weren't expecting when it came to screening and finding out like bad guests and all this other stuff or is there anything that just kind of like took you by surprise that's an interesting question um i think i wasn't expecting clients and users to actually push us to be better at anti-discrimination. Mm. So if you put the entire trust and safety aside, a user that signs up with AutoHost, I mean, making sure that we flag risks is, uh, is the bare minimum requirement. And so larger companies, and we're talking large scale, as they start being aware of their social responsibility, awareness of the, the industry they play in and kind of what role and what image they want to portray, they really care to find the right balance between I'm not screening guests based on whether they look sketchy per se, but rather they really appreciate auto hosts bringing in objective data points, which means kind of like you said, I mean, if a credit card fails, that, that's an objective data point. Having said that, if the first three failed because they were reported stolen and the fourth one went through, that should probably still be flagged. And in mm -hmm. some cases it isn't, or, you know, story mismatches or locality issues or, or things like that. So I think that it was a pleasant surprise to see our customers embracing the removal of booking restrictions. Like for example, when you're doing thorough screening, you don't have to avoid last minute reservations. We don't want you to, mm -hmm. you don't have to avoid locals. You don't have to avoid booking.com. But, um, but given that before auto host users really had to find their risk tolerance. And a lot of that ended up being 
personal judgment calls. So I think that's my biggest really impressive surprise that we get to keep developing technology um, and keep improving and saying, what's an objective piece of information that we know about this guest? What could be suspicious about their booking rather than do they look like they're of a certain race, age, gender, orientation, socioeconomic status or whatever that may be. So that's kind of a, a nice surprise and, and we get to keep developing and get better at it. For sure. I, I've I love the, that. I've got the feeling that in Europe, we are five, six, maybe even longer years behind. If you're looking at, for example, automation or, for example, the tools you're delivering to, to vacation rental, um, I think in the US or, or Canada, I don't know much further. Do you see the same? So it's interesting. We do have a number of U.S. users. We're, we're larger, than, larger in North America, but it's interesting you said that because it's true. We're finding that with U.S. Uh, with European users, the the learning curve, the ones that embrace it really, really like it. But you're right; they feel like they're the forefront of automation and bringing in technology. Um, our teams help them with a bit of you know process restructuring. Uh, so it's interesting. I, I just don't think I ever made that connection. I assumed it was specific chains or or operators, but it might be a European thing. But is it connected also to ownership when you see in, in the US or just say North America, there's a lot of uh, just say uh, people just owning a lot of assets or real estate and just going to short term rental when it's still in Europe, a lot of individuals? Yeah. Oh, what do you think your sweet spot is? Like the Marriott's of the world are probably, they probably have different layers of checks in, maybe not nearly as sophisticated as Autohost, but. Well, we find it noise aware is like, it, especially on the hotel side of the, the world, kind of these small, medium sized boutiques that don't have 24 hour staff or have automated check in are much more inclined to be our users and, and likely users of auto hosts. Is, right. is that the same with you guys? So, I mean, so, I mean, Autos and noise where we do overlap with a lot and we have mutual clients and our partnership is great for them. It's really that. I think that the, the smaller hotels, be it boutiques or just chains that have smaller hotels and their migration away from the traditional reception desk, the, the money that is spent on having those areas, it really is our, you know, the entry into that space. So we're seeing the two worlds kind of, you know, converging. At the moment, it's not yet the Hiltons and the Marriott's, although, I mean, I think there's other things to address, like either turning a blind eye or naive lack of screening, which I think we're still going to go in the right direction um, in the coming future. But for now, yeah, it's exactly those hotels that are saying, you know what, the STR space, we're not going to fight it. They're actually doing some things better than us. Let's embrace it. And so mm -hmm. those types of hotels, even if they do still have a reception desk, they can reduce the dependence on guests coming in whichever time and filling out forms or the reception is just looking at them last minute making a decision and they're embracing more of a pre-check-in process like everybody's familiar with airplanes like it's it's not actually that big of a learning curve for guests to receive a a message from your hotel saying you know hi michael thanks for booking please follow this before your stay so that your check-in is smooth and seamless and touchless and yada 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 mm -hmm. COVID help there as well so yeah. so it is those smaller ones that are embracing how can we make things more efficient yeah and will and ross when you guys worked in hotels how frequent or or did you ever send a guest away when they walked in well i was gonna yeah so ella and i kind of jumped into this a little bit in our episode last week or, or coming up this week but um you know there was quite a few times depending on the property uh, like when i was at the autograph collection you know uh, it's a four diamond hotel 
rarely did we ever have to turn anyone away. Um, it was most likely due to they were an obvious, obvious standout in the sense like the card was torn up and looked like it went through the ringer and it was declining every time and they had no other thing to use. Um, we also had one guest, like I distinctly remember, uh, escaped from the, the uh, psych ward and showed up in their uniform. So like that's a pretty obvious like, you know, turn away. But uh, when you're in different markets, like a good beach town, that's very small. Um, probably, and this is no like judgment or anything, but like more likely lower income families that usually spend up all year long to save, to go out to the beach for the week. And, and sometimes they would have issues with credit cards or other stuff like that. So it was very rare on that sense, but there were cases that, you know, you can kind of pick up on indicators uh, from the booking itself. Michael, I think that it's interesting you asked him about hotels, but I think that with hotels, the biggest goal one day is not necessarily going to be to turn guests away, but again, to continue de-risking, de-escalating, right? I mean, yeah. noise or the intention isn't to go ahead and kick somebody out mid-party, ideally. Ideally, is catch it on time, tell them to settle down, and then everybody wins. So I yeah. think it's really similar. If and when or, or when hotels start embracing it, the process is going to be very much, let's just know your guests. Let's do the responsible thing. You have more of their information. They're agreeing to rules. You're de-escalating any possible risk that could go on. If it's a group of guests, you want everybody's names, right? I mean, yeah. Will going on a business trip for four days is very different, no offense, than probably Will going on a bachelor party with eight friends for a weekend in a penthouse in Miami. Uh, it's not fraud, but you still want the information there and the rules agreed to it, a security deposit on file. Yeah. Michael Ross is smiling. You went on a bachelor party with him? not yet it'll happen one day uh but i kind of have a question because i'm a user of noise aware particularly and so i know about the noise risk score um i'm curious michael golden is there a way that auto host, like does a product or a tool like auto host help you know indicate that noise risk score with a pre-screening or is it all about the decibel um, I think a future state there, there certainly can. So if auto host has kind of a red light, yellow light, green light, mm -hmm. and it can, <clears throat> it can potentially adjust the sensitivities on the acceptable noise levels. So if it's a green light, Will's on a business trip, we're fine. Don't touch it. If it's a yellow or red light, Will's on a bachelor party, like, maybe shift the, the quiet hours from 10 p.m. to 8 p.m. and drop the, the acceptable noise levels just to try and get out ahead of it before it gets out of hand. And trigger a message yeah. sooner or something. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I will say that we're currently integrated. So, I mean, AutoHost and NoiseAware are integrated and AutoHost users are able to log in, see the noise graph, and then make the correlation, right? Is a spike yeah. because suddenly the TV volume band really high? Or does it seem like it's a party slowly growing? So the integration sure. is there and we're extremely proud of it. And we're happy that the users get to see both of these things and see how their multiple lines of defense are working at the same time. I think mm -hmm. that we do have machine learning in place and we're, we're learning all the time. So down the line, if we're talking predictive, if we're saying, hey, you know what? These seven parameters in the past have normally resulted that noise aware triggered something. I think that's definitely next level, but not that far off that we'd... Uh, we should definitely be looking at. 
Yeah. yeah when I sure. when I was like 15 or 16, I never worked in a hotel, by the way, Michael, but never was. <laughs> so, but yeah, when I was 15 or 16, I actually worked for Holiday Park in their call center. And often when there was a group booking, I tried to filter and then, okay, what kind of group is it? And that was actually, I get those instructions. And as soon you know, it will be like a, a group of young guys, like we'll go for a party. As soon you just know what kind of, if it's like, it's okay, it could create some trouble. We always have prepared, so okay, or when we say, okay, we're really not sure, just saying, sorry, it's fully booked. Sometimes, or we just have to say we really place them at the end of the park as far away as possible from other guests. And we knew that those colleges or bungalows or houses, give them a name, actually had different kind of quality or standard than, for example, the rest of the houses, because we know there's a chance that some things will be destroyed. You think that will be maybe could be the case also with hotels? It's like we have some rooms still, we're not sure about this guest. We just give them a different room than the one which is refurbished and we give them the one which still has to be refurbished or one which is but older you think they will use this data eventually to yeah just that's awesome specific rooms it's pseudo screen it's still manual screening that's it's cool that you guys went through this Right? Yeah, I was 15, I was 15 so that's really it's 20 years ago. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not scalable, but that's, <laughs> that's exactly the judgment call. Also, I like that. You're not necessarily canceling them because there's money on the table. You just know yeah. they're going to be a little bit louder. You should still have, you know, some security in place so they don't trash the place. But a few spilled drinks is worth the cleaning fee. I don't know. So that's that's yeah. still kind of a good consideration to have. But you should be asking those questions. So that's, uh, that's definitely yeah. what companies are doing. And then when you scale, you want to automate that. So... Well, my real question, and Ella, we just uh, also discussed this on the other podcast, but, you know, your guys' virtual screening is like a, it's like the same work that a front desk agent would do at a hotel. It's, you know, confirming the name, the photo ID, debit and credit card, all that good stuff. Um, but obviously, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, but you guys go into a deeper discovery in the background. Um my thing is as an operator and I try to play devil's advocate and Michael Golden knows this because we'll talk on behind the scenes and then I'm like, but as an operator, I struggle with this. And he's like, yeah, but as a provider, we, we do this. Um, but it's always interesting to find out, you know, with the guests responding, like, so you can have these automated messages, getting the guests to fill it out though, is one whole new different task. Um, what are some things that um, you've seen either other operators or partners that you guys have, uh, to actually get the guests to fill it out because um, I know if you make it mandatory and a guest books and then they don't fill it out and they get their automated key code uh, to a, to their rental, they're kind of, they kind of have the keys to the kingdom. You can always deactivate the code, of course, but um, I guess my thing is how do you make sure the guests actually fill it out? Right. So let's start off by saying that your fallback is whatever it is you're doing right now, mm -hmm. right? And what we're trying to do is let's take care of 90% of that volume. So first of all, it's interesting to know that a lot of the guests just do. So we're in a digital age. Guests check their email. The majority of people are tech savvy. They don't have to be very tech savvy. Um, mm -hmm. There's simplicity in a very convenient mobile process. I mean, we can, you can upload things, agree to stuff. The feeling that I'm going to take care of everything in advance and therefore my check-in is going to be smoother. And again, because we're familiar with the concept from the airline industry, um, first of all, you'll be surprised that you don't need to get guests to do anything. A majority just do. Mm -hmm. Then you have things like, let's bug them a little bit, just like you would if right now you're doing pseudo screening, which we also, I think, talked about. And I, I recommend it. If you're not doing anything, move on to pseudo screening. And from that, move on to more professional and, and objective screening. But even if you're doing your pseudo screening and your team messages the guests back and forth, crazy friction, very inefficient, legitimate guests might get annoyed by it, but they still need to answer the questions and they're responsive. So it's kind of the same thing. I mean, we 
send some automated reminders and, and so on. And then at the end of the day, every user will have their process. Some, some of our clients are very much adamant about as soon as you book, you have three days to complete this. Otherwise, I'm not holding my calendar blocked. We have other users that are saying, you know what? We can shuffle some things around. I don't care if they show up at the property and they fill it out on the spot. And then the majority fall somewhere in between. So the average user would have a threshold of, say, three days before check-in, five days before check-in, where the whatever percentage, small percentage of guests didn't complete this yet, that's when they move on to giving them a call or arranging an in-person check-in. So you should still have all of those fallbacks in place, but the majority are being taken care of. For sure. That's good to know. Yeah, that's just the one thing I would say. I have to play devil's advocate a little bit. How do you guys ensure yeah, that they're going to throw it and out? And you know what? You'll also, I mean, it's not just technology. You'll also have, you know, somebody calling in and saying, I'm not giving my ID online. I'm not even connected mm -hmm. to Wi-Fi. And this is all a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be your judgment call to say, you know what, sir? No problem at all. Let me just turn that off for you. So, I mean, overriding the system, having, you know, using your judgment is, is all realistic. We're trying to help operators take care of the, the majority of instances. For sure. And how do you deal yeah. with the data protection part? Because it's a huge topic in here in Europe. I don't know how it is in, in, in the US, but in here is everybody who's storing any data, using data, who's, who's using the data, which form, how long, et cetera. It's, it's insane. GDPR stuff. So, this is different in the US and also with your, your... It's a little bit, it's, it's less intense and there's less privacy concerns in the States. But even because of that, and specifically because of that in Europe, companies, as they grow and they need to start requesting those things, authority reporting comes into play, requirements, they're actually stuck in the situation of how do I do this? So you have large companies without throwing any names out there, but very large companies still asking for IDs to be emailed, which is illegal. Anybody who's listening to this, you cannot <laughs> be doing this. Um, credit cards being taken over the phone, people asking for selfies. Um, we're not going to go into the fact that selfies are extreme violation of privacy. You don't know what position, what form, what they're wearing, what they actually took a picture of. So even there, AutoHost comes in, and as being a cybersecurity company, we actually come in with the right tool. So as an operator, you're not in the business of tech. So making sure that the IDs are encrypted, and like you said, that they're saved, saved on file for mm -hmm. seven years or unless requested, they can be deleted. If a background check is run, your guests can request something. If you need to submit for a chargeback, you can provide a log of things. The credit card is obviously masked and so on. So if anything, um, so AutoHost is in charge of the data security and privacy, and therefore the individual operators don't have to worry about that, which is a huge concern. And the larger a company grows, the more likely they're going to get scrutiny from people, authorities, the random mm -hmm. lawsuit that's probably bigger in the States, but um, definitely something to, to keep in mind. How how weird are these selfies getting, Ella? <laughs> Can you share some? No. <laughs> um, we've seen interesting selfies, and and even there, it's important. So I was talking about I was talking about clients that are driving us to be better. There have been some companies that requested for us to just do the analysis because the reason we take a selfie is for the facial recognition. It's not to see if the person is sketchy or not. We have their ID. We have their selfie. I mean, one day I would love for them to be required to take the selfie at the door and you know then the lock would open or, or whatever that will be so we've had companies requesting to hide some information and only show the final result of the test so selfies get weird <laughs> so you see this whole process of apple of apple id then i go into wallets unlocking your doors with your uh well with your with your apple id or your uh, so yeah I, I think that 
all of, I mean, it's better than having your Airbnb profile, you know, having an ID on file, because we've had cases of abuse. You have, it might be a real ID, but it's a 19 year old that you paid off and you're actually a local, you know, gang or booking mm-hmm. on behalf of somebody else. So moving on to Apple IDs and phones, I think will help ensure it's the person who they say they are. And then having said that, even going back to the will example, sorry for picking on you, for any given reservation, you still want the guest to, so even if we're not suspecting actual fraud and stolen identity or illegal activity going on behind closed doors, there's still elements of you need a security deposit and you need a ID on file and you might want to get covered and you might want to make sure they agree to rules and, and do you risk the reservation to make sure they're well behaved. So all of that can still work in, in collaboration with opening your, your door with an ID and the selfie matching stuff. So, I mean, there's still a lot, a lot that could come from technology. I don't think that's going to hurt it. It's going to be a good, uh, a very good progress. Well, question, because we work closely with Visa as a critical company for a partnership, but you see it's still the way of people, how they're making reservations online and guarantee their reservations by credit card. And now people just stopping with their credit cards, they go into all different kinds of payment methods. Do you see any way of other like guarantees instead of using a credit card or you see some technology out there or do you provide them by I yourself? Mean, right now, it's either, I mean, if you're booking through OTAs, it would be either credit card. Sometimes it would be the OTA taking care of it. I mean, Airbnb reservations, your payment is guaranteed, but you don't necessarily know, you know, who, who's walking in all the time. Um, fraud is not big on Airbnb, but, you know, parties and rule compliance and those types of issues are. Um, right now, credit cards are definitely big. I know that larger larger companies, I mean, even, you know, Smiling House and, and companies that really go towards um, the, the larger reservations and very high end, they don't necessarily process credit card transactions, right? They could be using very high amounts. I mean, it's tens of thousands of dollars for a weekend or a week. Um, although it's interesting because, and we actually, I spoke about this to uh, Moria in one of our uh, clubhouses. Now you're getting into money laundering territory and that's a whole other story. So other things you want to be making sure when you're analyzing payment, even if your payment is guaranteed, you want to know who, who the person booking is. And there's still really important elements of knowing your guests behind all these things. Um, but I don't see credit cards going away. Well, you see there's like this whole blockchain or crypto then seen this as a concern as you don't can identify the real user or the owner. I think that the operators are going to be the ones driving it. So like if hotels say, we don't care, we get the money, that's all good. I think that the advocacy on the other side, understanding that you should care is going to be mm-hmm. the main factor. And then maybe, I mean, I would, I'm very, I'm very much also concerned about the serious areas of fraud and what happens behind it. And you're getting into drug smuggling and escort services yeah. and sex mm-hmm. trafficking and, and, and that's problematic. So I'm probably going to be on the side of the equation that pushes for more visibility. Um, but we'll see what the operators push for. I'll be on that same side with you, Ella. So don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Golden, you've been quiet. It's unusual. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that in my head too. I was like, I haven't spoken much. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think there's this, this the interesting dynamic between what can and should be on the blockchain and what shouldn't. And this sits exactly in the middle. Like, I... I think payments will get a lot better coming off of the block the blockchain, uh, a lot less fraud, and but the, the flip so let's side. chargebacks. I don't know if it's going to be less fraud, but less chargebacks. Well, how can you create fraud on blockchain? 
No, I guess when I, when I mean fraud, I'm more talking about, no, no, not fraud. I'm talking illegal activity, I guess. You're right. It would be yeah. less fraud, less chargebacks. So, so from a, the, the payment side of the, the business is going to be a lot better. It won't be but, stolen credit cards. But the anonymity is going to be a lot worse. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I think that's exactly where products like yours and ours fit into the equation. Uh, if you have screening on the front end, you have noiseware for monitoring during the stay, and you have some sort of insurance at the end of it, like ultimately you're you're covered from start to finish. But yeah, the the anonymity on blockchain kind of kind of noodle on that one. Yeah. Specifically so, for our industry, right? Like there's yeah. something problematic. I mean, it's one thing when you purchase a shirt and it's a transaction. But it's mm -hmm. a different thing when you're renting a space to be Bring someone into your house, yeah. to be in privacy. Yeah. house or hotel, but to be given yeah. privacy behind closed doors. And then you're getting into where is your, I mean, obligation, legal or social or moral to yeah. um, to screen and make sure that what goes on, there is something that you stand behind. For sure. There's there's definitely something very different about, like you said, a shirt being bought with crypto or blockchain versus a shared space where people are living quote unquote, even as just for a night, they're, they're still living there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's so, still gotta be a way of, of taking the booking via blockchain or crypto and gathering the information you need to, to verify the booking. Right. Michael, do you have a lot of cryptocurrency to get rid of? Is that why you're curious? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a lot more to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, no, I just think it's, it, it's this juxtaposition. It's just, it, it's not much different than what we already deal with today, right? Like one of the easiest places to launder money is probably through short-term rentals, right? Like, yeah. And laundromats. One, yeah, dry cleaners, all that stuff. But short-term rentals is, it's not a challenging gap to, to bridge. Hotels also, cash payments, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it's... It's an easy space. STRs might take more cash than hotels, although I don't know, right? Like you, you. I was gonna say I don't. I in the hotel world, I had so many people offer cash versus short-term rentals. No, it's like I've never exactly, because because yeah. they're afraid. Because I mean, you you trust the OTAs, and yeah, so hotels yeah. will be dealing with a lot more cash, and then we're getting into the whole issue of what what Ross mentioned before: is it naive or is it intentional, and are you? turning a blind eye as long as the payment goes through. Um, and I mean, even, you know, being responsible, noise, some crimes are very silent. So all of your monitoring throughout is so important. Yeah, 100%. Oh, this and is this definitely be a, its whole own segment. The, I was going to say, the moral let's do next week or something about blockchain and, and security. It's interesting because we never took this topic so far as, well, yeah. we'll yeah. Try to avoid this topic, but let's do it. We'll be well, next week we'll be live at VRMA <laughs> for our 50th yeah. anniversary 50th. of our episode. That is that's yeah. good timing. I know. Yeah, really I'll, good. I'll make sure to find you guys and say hi. Oh, of yeah. course. We'll have to do a live segment with you in person. I'll have the microphone like in your face like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we Ella, I think I told you about this little segment we've been trying out. It's pretty fun. Um, Michael Golden, how many brands total uh, under the top five or six? Is like 108 or something uh, like that? It's 119 from six brands. 
Okay, so there's six hotel brands, you know, Marriott, Hilton, Accor, IHG, Best Western, and Hyatt. Choice, or what? Hyatt. Hyatt. What's that? Hyatt. Um, so we're taking those top six. We're finding one of their soft brands underneath. So for sure it's not higher today. And it's already like one. And we, we take one of their soft brands and we try to guess uh, whose brand it, it belongs to. So are we giving them credit for choosing based on name? Like, like are we, are related? You... Let, let's see it. I'll see it in action. Yeah. So, so a little fun segment. Here we go. Whose line or whose brand is it anyways? Not whose line is it anyways. Uh, and here we go. Le Meridian. This is Starwood. I'm going to say Hilton. I'm going to trust Ross on this and <laughs> say Marriott. It's a core. Yes. No. Well, Starwood, yeah, I, I can give you a half a point for Starwood. It's Marriott technically. Yeah. Now. It, but before but. it was before it was Starwood. Well, that's why I said Marriott yeah. first because I yeah. trust yeah. Ross knew Starwood. <laughs> I, I, would, I knew I stayed Starwood. In, I, I stayed in one. That's why I remember. I stayed twice in the Meridian. Oh. Actually, that's why I remember. One in once in London and once in Warsaw. So there's come on. This was not so different. So, half half a point because it's technically Marriott now. But I'll, I'll be I'll be gentle and kind. You know. Sweet. When I'm, they started, two weeks in a row, then, huh? <laughs> Yeah, two weeks in a row. About time you caught up. Good night. Um, all right. Well, Ella, I just want to say thank you so much for being a great guest. Uh, you have a thank lot of value you. and a lot of information to bring to the table. Um, shameless plug and shout out. Your episode is coming out on the 30th this week. Uh, so anyone who is listening today can listen to Ella again in a deeper story on Thursday. So I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I think uh, this wraps up our episode this week, guys, and we'll see you all again next week.